Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We are continuing our summer series uh, through the parables. Uh, we have a few more weeks of this, and it's just been, um, been awesome to hear different speakers speak of the parables. There are so many awesome parables in scriptures, and uh, this is one in particular um, that I've studied in the past, and it was just good to go over this past week to kind of turn through it again and study it over and over again. Um, and the more you study scripture, the more it just shows the depth and breadth of God's word. And I just hope to uh, do it justice this morning and to us to crack it open just a little bit. Um, so let's pray. God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you so much already that we could celebrate together with baptism. Lord, we just thank you that we can celebrate through song and giving. And God, now as we open up your word, I just ask you that you would remove me and allow your word to speak through me and that, uh, that we'd be changed by it. We ask in your name. Amen. So in title's day's message, keep sewing, keep sewing. Now, when I say the word sewing, some of you might be thinking threaded needle. So anybody out there that still sews, I know Susan Lanez does, but anybody else that actually still sews? Okay, there are a few. Unfortunately, that's a dying breed. Uh, my dad was, honestly, he was one of the best sewers I knew. He would, um, he'd be the one, not my mom, that when I would have to get pen, uh, pants hemmed, I would take it to him and my dad would sew. So that's not the sewing I'm talking about. I'm talking about sewing seed. As you can see from uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, we are going to be talking about the parable of the sower. So now I brought this in this morning. Does anybody know what this is? Did someone say work? Yeah, work. A spreader. Okay, so you can do a lot of things with this, but one in particular that it spreads seeds. I know some people spread salt with this for uh, over the winter. Uh, fertilizer. Yep, I'm sure there's other things. Whoever put this in here this morning, thank you. I don't know who did that. Um, but this is typically to spread seed. And so um, as you kind of think this morning, uh, as you're going out, this is supposed to be an object for us to think about as you go out this week, this month, this year, that we're spreading the seed of the gospel. So picture yourself either behind something like this that you're spreading out. And if any, any of you that use a spreader before, it just kind of flings everywhere, right? It's not precise. It's not like I'm going to hit this little row. It just kind of flings everywhere. Um, you put the next slide up. In Bible times, typically how you sow, this is how you did it. It wasn't anything fancy. You had a bag over your shoulder, and you were just flinging seed. You were sowing seed. Uh, now, you had typically a field you would go to, and you would try to stay, you know, color between the lines, so to speak, and try to pick areas to put good seed in. Um, but that's all you're doing. You're spreading it. And the thing with, with sowing is, because it's not accurate, you're not exactly sure what soil it's going to land on. And that's going to be kind of the heart of the passage as we look at the different soils in the parable laid out. So let's, uh, let's dive in, and we'll read the first nine verses of Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So they got into a boat, and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he said many things to them in parables, saying, A sower went out. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. 
Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they did not have root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So one thing that um, has been clear of all the parables that have been preached on so far is that context is key, right? You don't want to ever take a parable out of context, otherwise you can make it sound and interpret it any way you want. So let's look at this. Look at the preceding context, first of all. So go back to Matthew chapter 12. Some of you is probably on the same page or flip a page over. In Matthew uh, chapter 12 and verse 46, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother, here are my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So this is, this is the very, very last thing that Christ said or did before he laid out this first parable. And so why this is important to kind of how it, how it blends in very nicely is Christ is about to start onto the kingdom parables. And the preceding context is kind of laying down the foundation of who his kingdom is, right? Uh, so he had biological families, just like you and I did. And someone asked him, well, who's your brother? Who's your mother? And he's basically saying, anybody that carries out my word, my father's will, is my family. So that's the preceding context. What's the immediate and following context? We're looking at the kingdom parables. So the kingdom parables is all throughout chapter 13. And if you could probably guess what it's about, it's about God's kingdom, right? So Christ is about to go on um, just kind of one after another after another parables about the kingdom in different aspects. And this is the first one um, in that chapter, in this section, where Christ is speaking. So who is Jesus here? He's, he's verse 1 and 2, we kind of lay out where he's at, what he's doing. He had just left uh, his, one of his family's area. That same day he went out, as verse 1 says in chapter 13, out of the house and sat beside the sea. So a teacher knows his audience. He's, he, this is the master teacher, right? So he knows his audience. He knows where he's at. He knows his people. And so what does he do? He's outside sitting by the sea. He starts seeing these great crowds gathering. And what does he do? He gets into a boat to speak. Now, why did he get into a boat? Well, the, the cool thing here in this context is Christ is right near the Sea of Galilee. And this, this area or this cove is known as the Cove of Parables, where Christ awfully went, and it was kind of like a, a natural amphitheater, because obviously back then they didn't have microphones, they couldn't amplify, and if any of you have ever been on the water, one thing that water does, it makes sound travel very well. So they said in this area that Jesus was speaking, he could, his voice could very easily carry over 300 feet. So if you think about that, I mean, that, that's a good range of, to carry on just a natural voice, and it's a great amphitheater of where he's standing to be able to present to his people the truths of the kingdom. So he's out there, and he's in the boat. He's getting ready to speak. And another thing about Jesus here, um, obviously, he's got an advantage. He's God, right? So he knows his people. But when you're ever teaching something, you always want to know your students, right? And he knew this crowd was very big into agriculture and fishing. And so this very first parable he chooses is about agriculture. Just a, it's an it's awesome nuance of just picking up how Christ knows his people, and as we teach we should be doing the same. This parable um, is known as one of, of many that, are, um, that you can see in the other Gospels. 
Um, so what they call, they call it synoptic parallels. So you can look at different Gospels and see the same parable. This is uh, one of actually a few that are actually in all three. Um, so if you ever want to study the other ones, uh, they're in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 and 13 through 20, as well as Luke 8, 4 through 8, and 11 through 15. Um, and those are great for study tools if you want to go back and kind of compare the Gospels, how the different authors interpreted it, as well as kind of lay it out. Um, and, the, and again, just like God's Word is always best interpreted through God's Word. So if you're ever wondering how this should be read or interpreted, it's always good to go back to God's Word itself. Um, so those are great tools to look at as you're kind of going back and studying it. So we have Christ here. His disciples are with him as well as great crowds, and he's about to start a parable. So what is the purpose of a parable, right? The purpose of a parable is to hide the truth from the crowd, but, make it, but communicate the truth to his disciples. Let's jump down to verses, uh, in, in chapter 13, verses 10, starting there. Then the disciples came to him and said this. And, and you see this, this is funny, because um, sometimes when you read a parable, Christ doesn't always give out the interpretation. He just kind of throws it out there and lets you kind of ponder and think about it. So Christ lays out this parable of the sower, and what, what's the first thing the disciples do? They come up and be like, hey, Jesus, why, why are you speaking in parables? Like, why are you making this so difficult? And, and they're, in their human mind, they're thinking this. And the disciples came to him in verse 10 and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he lays out the purpose of the parables. He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So Christ is laying out the purpose of these parables, and there's more verses there um, up through verse 18. So Christ is laying out here, and so as, as, as we read the parable, just some overall thoughts thinking of this. Um, if, if you notice, he, he, the seed never changes, right? It's the same seed every single time. It's not like a sower. Typically, like, so if you take this out, you're going to fill this up either with fertilizer or grass seed. It's typically you don't put different kinds of seed out, right? So the, the constant here is the seed. And what does the seed here represent? The Word of God, the gospel. All right, so very clearly, let's, let's pull back here for a second, review what is the gospel, right? And there are a bunch of different definitions and ways to uh, teach the gospel. Um, the most concise way that I can always, uh, that I've been taught and I, can, I always tell people is four simple words, God, man, Christ, result or response, excuse me. Uh, God, man, Christ, response. So think about it. That kind of wraps up all of Scripture. So you got Genesis 1. What does it say? In the beginning was God, right? God created everything, made everything perfect. It was supposed to be the way he designed it for us to be. And then what happens in Genesis 3? Man. Man screws it up, right? Like we do all the time. Um, if you take basically your Bible and do this, this is pretty much the chunk of man, right? We, that's what um, we just did first Samuel. We saw a lot of man, how man screwed up a lot of things. Um, all, most, almost all the Old Testament is about man and our, our response to uh, God. But then the good news comes in the gospel, right? Christ comes. He lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, and didn't stay dead. Because if he just died and didn't rise, he's like any other God. But he rose on the third day the tube, that's why we celebrate Easter, resurrected for us, and then the fourth step is response. What will you do with Christ? What will you do with this? 
You have a, we had a relationship with God back in the garden. It was broken. It was severed because of our sinful choices. Christ created a way through the gospel, and now it's up to us to have a response. So I'm going to keep that in our mind, too, because some of the, someone in here in this, in this room might be brand new to them what the gospel is, and that's what the seed represents here uh, with the sower spreading out. So let's look at the first, the first uh, soil. Some of the soil um, fell upon the, where birds came and ate them, so it fell along the path. So here's a picture of a little pretty bird eating seeds. And a lot of times, especially in uh, the Palestine area, there was, next to fields, just like today, there's rows and, there, and there's paths. And if you're out there just chucking seeds out there, there's bound some seeds that are going to land on a pathway. And the great thing about this uh, passage is we don't have to wonder the interpretation of what this represents. So let's jump into Matthew 13, verse 18. Christ speaking then says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has sown in his heart. This is what it was sown along the path. So a very sad reality, right? This is going to be the large majority of the people you interact with. Because as you're out there spreading seed, before they can even understand it or even think about it, guess what? Satan's working just hard on the other side saying, nope, I'm going to take that seed away. I don't want that to, I don't want that to get any kind of root. I don't want that to have any chance for the person because what does Satan want to do? He wants to destroy us. He wants us to have no chance of a redemption through Christ. It's a sad picture, but that, the most people that we interact with on a daily basis, probably the most of the people that you've even shared the gospel with, you've interacted with that, that they have may have listened to you, but that's about it. That's about as far as it gets because they go on their merry way, and then Satan makes them, distracts them with something. And sadly, as the picture here of the bird taking the seed away, the seed is no longer there, and it's going to have to take another seed for that person to hear the gospel to remember what it is. This by far, unfortunately, is the majority of people that you share the gospel with. Um, what's the second, the second soil? Some of the sower uh, seeds fell on rocky ground, never to take root. Rocky ground that take root. Now, typically over there, the soil would be uh, kind of rocky, and then it was a very thin layer of soil on top of that. So... Um, I personally, at my house, I think we have the rockiest soil in the world. Like every two inches you dig, there's another rock. And it's super frustrating to grow grass. So how many of you love growing grass? Raise your hand. Good. I thought so. I hate growing grass because it, it doesn't grow. Everything but grass grows. Weeds do. It doesn't matter what you do. You can put down the freshest soil sometimes, it feels like, and you, you toil and you still get weeds. It's just, it's very frustrating. But especially with rocky soil... Grass cannot grow, or a plant cannot grow, but weeds can grow, right? Um, and this is kind of the picture of the, of the second one. There's, there's, as the sower goes out, he throws seeds out, and some land on it. And again, because Christ in his um, mercy <laughs> explained the parable very simply, what he was trying to get at with this, leave no doubt in verse 20. As for what, what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecutions arise on the account of the word, he immediately falls away. So this is the person that you, you share the gospel with. And they might, even, they might even appear to have a genuine conversion. But almost at the first, first rejection or, or uh, uh, confrontation of, of them being a Christian, they say, oh, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. 
right? So they, in your situation, and, and uh, they're out with their, their coworkers, and they're like, hey, didn't you, didn't you go to church this past Sunday? Yes, yeah, so-and-so told me that you got saved. What does that mean? And then immediately they're like, oh, you know what? I don't believe that. That's this person. That's this person that may have generally, it appeared that they were generally converted, but as time kind of goes on, in this case very quickly, it's like that seed in the rocky soil that it may sprout a little bit, but as the sun comes out, it withers away, and it shows the true colors that it really was not a profitable or even a legitimate, genuine conversion. The third soil. Some of the sower's seeds fell among thorns and did not produce. So as you can see in this picture, there's like no way in the world anything can grow in thorns, right? First of all, from, the, from a human standpoint, it's hard to touch, so it's hard to even cultivate that, to even help the, uh, the plant out. But again, Christ leaves no doubt at all of what this interpretation is. Look in verse 20, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this third one is an unbeliever that hears God's word. Again, may even show a genuine conversion, but as soon as two major things come into life, it proves that it was not a true conversion. Uh, the first one is, is being distracted by the cares of this world. Now, we're, we're called to live in this world, right? When we get saved, it's not like instantly God takes us to heaven. We have to live on this earth. Um, one main reason is to spread, spread the seed of the gospel, obviously to glorify God, and there's other reasons. But life still has to go on, right? You still have a job. You still have to work. You still have to have, provide for your family. Uh, you still live life. We go on vacations. Um, but when these cares of this world, when things come up in our lives, whether it's diagnosis of a, a disease that you now have, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether um, you lost your job, in those moments when, when, the, when the steam is pulled up, when the pressure's put on, what happens? In this case, the seed proves its true identity. It's not a true believer. It withers away. It choke, gets choked by the thorns of the pressure of this world and gives up. Or secondly, what's the second half of that? It's materialism. What does Christ say? The riches of this world. In America, we are known for materialism, right? It's always about the bigger, the better, the, the faster, the bestest thing you can ever buy in the world, right? Always keeping up with the Joneses, looking at uh, what someone has at work, trying to get that next promotion. Um, and obviously, these things in themselves are not bad. It's not bad to have a nice house. It's not bad to have a nice car. It's not bad to have a nice job. But when these things, when this focus is, you get so distracted, just like these thorns, it chokes out any kind of glimmer of hope of what the gospel has done in your life and showing the true identity of the seed. It has no chance to grow, and therefore it produces no fruit. So sadly, these, these, first, three, these first three soils, they all represent unbelievers that may show a little bit of spark, but then ultimately they show that they are truly not a believers, and that's what Christ laying out this parable. But praise God, that wasn't just three soils. There's a fourth soil, and that's the good soil. So some seeds fell on good soil and produced abundantly. Verse 23, the interpretation of that, as for what, re what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. So one note with this, as you see the last line, it lays out 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. Uh, one differentiate between the different Gospels is one, I think it's in Luke, that says just 100-fold. 
the whole concept there is not the focus on the, the number. It's just the point that abundantly, right? So when a plant gets produced or put into a, excuse me, when a seed gets put into a good soil, it's going to produce abundantly, show its true colors, some, some, in this case, some 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. All three of those within the realm of possibility, um, we see actually in Genesis chapter, I think it's chapter 26, where it's mentioned about the 100-fold, um, where someone actually had a crop of 100-fold. That's kind of like hitting the agricultural powerball, right? You plant like this little crop, and then you just get like, wow, this great production. Um, and that's, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power. Again, it's not, it's not that the seed is any different. It's the soil, the reception of that. So some of us, I'm sure, have, have seen this in our lives, and it's, it's absolutely amazing when you come across good soil, right, when you plant that seed. And some, sometimes when we're, we're sowing, we're throwing the seed out there, and you throw it out there, and you're like, oh, that looked like it landed on the path. But then as God kind of culminates that, it's like, you know what, that, that seed didn't land on the path. It was actually good soil. And, and sometimes it takes more than one attempt to, uh, to present the gospel to someone because God is working in their heart and changing them. Um, but sticking with this metaphor, when, when the seed lands on good soil, uh, it is absolutely amazing to see that. And, and, and the awesome thing is, the focus of this parable, and this is why it's so important, is um, it's not the sower, right? So the focus is not us. So we, we are called to go out there and sow the seed, throw the seed out there. Just like if you take this out, you're not going to have great perfection or great aiming with this. But the purpose of it is God says, go out there and sow, and let me take care of the results, right? Um, it's probably the, the two most encouraging um, things that happened in my life with this in particular when I got to see great soil, um, just being so receptive of the seed, and it, and it furthermore pr- provided or proved that I, I am nothing and I have no, no effect at all in the kingdom of God as far as bringing someone to Christ. I present, let God do the increase, right? Um, but way back uh, when I was in high school, um, one of the one of the evangelistic tools that we used to do is go door-to-door calling. Now, some of you have done that before. Uh, in today's world, it's typically not very effective uh, due to people are either not home or they don't want you on their property. So those are pretty big deterrents in America today. Um, but what we would do is literally go around door-to-door. It usually started with uh, an invitation to come to church, and then some, every once in a while, you got to actually present the gospel. Um, so I remember this one time we were going through, and it was like, I think it was in like August. It was crazy hot. And walking around, you know, had the great attitude of, I don't want to be here doing this. And uh, walking around these neighborhoods, and typically they don't answer the door, you hang a brochure. Well, this one, um, this one house I walk up to, they have the garage door open. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll knock on the door that's, you know, separates the house from the garage instead of going around the front door. So in that moment, I had a just my mind went, and I was like, oh, there's a doorbell here in the garage. So I hit the door. It was not the doorbell. It was the garage door opener. So <laughs> I hit it, and this garage starts shutting behind me. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I do. <laughs> so I just hit it and ran out and left that person because uh, I was like, that's embarrassing. Um, so I ran out, and, okay, on top of that it situation, I'm already hot. I'm already discouraged. I'm already like, this is pointless. Uh, I see this guy a couple houses down, and I go up to him and say, hey, you know, I'm Bob, and we start talking. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't really go to church. Okay, start explaining it. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I've been, I've been thinking about going to church. I'm like, oh, great. I said, well, well the real reason he's here is I just want to share a little bit about um, what God did in my life. And I started telling the gospel a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I need to do that. I said, oh, really? I said, well, um, 
do you want, do you have any questions? Do you need, do you understand these? Like, oh yeah, I understand this. I just need to do this. Like, okay, well, would you like to do that now? And he's like, yeah, let's do this now. And right there on his driveway, uh, he prayed and accepted Christ as a savior. And it was, it was like a rebuke to me, like, okay, Bob, <laughs> you just stay faithful. Go out there, sow the seed, and God will take and, and make, give you the results, um, which is awesome to see. Uh, one other time I, I'll never forget, I was actually on a mission trip um, down in Mexico, and uh, I do not speak Spanish at all. Um, I'm, I, don't, I won't even attempt it. I took two years in French in high school, and I know very little of that as well. Um, but we went down there to help a missionary to be encouragement to him, and what we, our, our typical routine is we would go around to these different areas and basically just hand out brochures that were in Spanish, thankfully, and just invite them to that night's rally, or uh, some of them were like youth stuff where we would do like games with kids and then present the gospel. Um, and me and my one buddy, Tim, in high school, they, they paired us up in buddy systems, which wasn't a very good idea because neither of us spoke Spanish. So sending us two high school kids out into... Uh, Mexican culture, not knowing where we're going, and they said, all right, be back at this gas station or area at this certain time. So we had to, you know, watch this. We were, okay, it sounds great. Well, we, you know, we started good. We started staying our tasks, passing out these brochures, but then, you know, as typical high school kids do, you get distracted, right? And you get kind of bored, and you look for interesting things. You're in a foreign country. You want to kind of check out the lay of the land. So we started taking these rights and lefts, and we are, we are like, lost, lost, lost in Mexico, no cell phones, no way to communicate to our leaders, and we're like, man, this is not going to be good. I don't know how to get home. So we walk into this one convenience store, and uh, there's a guy back there, and we're like, you know, como, espanol, English, we're just like throwing all these random words, and <laughs> thankfully this guy speaks up from on the counter, he's like, hey, I speak English, and I'm like, whoa, thank I'm like, thank you, Jesus, like, and we're like, so he's like, Hey, so what can I help you with? He's like, hey, sorry. He's like, we're, we're lost, unfortunately. And he's like, well, where are you trying to get to? And we had a map, thankfully. We're like, this is where we started, but we don't know how to get back there. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I'll show you. He's like, come follow me. He's like, you guys want a, you know, a bottle of water or anything? Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. So we drink. We start talking. He's like, well, why are you guys out here? So we just started explaining what we're doing here um, before we got distracted. And we handed a brochure, and we said, um, over in the fall... Uh, over the, tomorrow night in the next city over is we're going to have this, this uh, like youth rally. And he's like, okay, I'll come. We're like, okay, yeah, sure you will. Um, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. All right, all right. So we're, we didn't think about it. We get back. Thankfully, our leaders weren't too upset with us because we had good, 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 good contact with some people. And uh, so the next day comes, and sure enough, this guy, his name is Romero. He shows up. And uh, this was like another city over. So we're talking like, so we're in East Greenville. This probably would have been over in, I don't know, maybe Exner or something like that. It was a good distance away. And uh, he shows up. We're like, Romero, you're showing up. That's awesome. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like I read your brochure. I really want to see what you guys are doing. And I said, okay. I said, well, he's like, how did you get here? Because like, he didn't have a car and he didn't show up on a bike. I'm like, Romero, how did you get here? He's like, oh, I just hitchhiked all the way over. I'm like, you hitchhike? He's like, yeah. He's like, I really wanted to hear what you guys are doing. I'm like, so at that point, we were like blown away. Oh, my goodness. So thankfully, sure enough, that night, uh, he stayed the whole night, watched, we interacted with them, and uh, the leader presented the gospel. And that night, Romero accepted Christ. Um, and again, it was just like a, a step back for us. Like, wow, we are like, we are just, first of all, we weren't even that faithful. We were kind of just goofing around, getting lost in Mexico. 
And even in that situation, God took the opportunity for us to spread the gospel on good soil. And when you see that, when it produces fruit abundantly, um, and then like weeks and months after that, we stayed in contact via email, and we got him plugged into a, a church by the missionary, knew a church in his area, and it was just really cool to see Ramil grow in his faith uh, for a little bit that we stayed in contact with him. But it was just awesome to see. So the challenge with this as we go out this week, it's just very simple. It's just keep sowing because good soil will produce abundantly. That's the ultimate challenge from this parable It's just keep sowing because we don't know what type of soil we're going to hit with the seed that we spread. Let God do the increase. Uh, the, the, the other challenge is if, if you're here and you've never heard this before, you don't know what the gospel is, you, this is maybe the first morning you've heard about the gospel, accept Christ. Be, be that good soul that you heard in God's word this morning, accept it, live on. And for some of us, maybe it's not keep sowing, but maybe it's get started sowing. Maybe some of you have been, it's very common to be, be uh, hit with fear. It's not easy to spread the gospel. You can get tired, you can get distracted like I was. So start sowing if you're not. But if you are sowing, just keep sowing. And you'll be amazed by the abundance of that God provides. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that uh, your gospel is alive. We thank you that um, you allow us to be sowers. Um, but God, we thank you so much that it is not up to us. It's not in our power, but it's, it's the power of your word. So God, I just pray for us as a church body this week that we would go out, be eager to spread your word, and just praise you for the results. We ask in your name. Amen.